0: Go go go
1: Installment of the Yummy Coco Show. This is a pop culture variety show for your ear holes with sketches, music, interviews, and games. I'm your host, Yummy Coco, aka Colette Prosper. I'm a comedy writer and filmmaker. On this show, we talk about everything from uh Kim Kardashian gearing up for her upcoming SNL debut. Uh, there's a viral story in the New York times about two women fighting over a story about a kidney donation. Uh, it's pretty wild. Also, it took the creator of squid game 10 years to get his, um, very violent, but very epic and and beautiful, uh, show on the air. Uh, it sounds totally bananas. It's, it is bananas, but it's also very real. This happens. And then finally, I have a confession. Um, I am obsessed <laughs> with the entire The Circle fr- franchise. I I love The Circle. It's on Netflix. Uh, I've seen all three seasons of the U.S. one. Uh, I've now moved on to the France show, which is um, also pretty entertaining. Uh, I love watching French people call uh, fake people fake. Oh, uh, il est vraiment fake. Uh, or um, hashtag what the fuck. Oh, what does that mean? And so uh, it's really funny. Anyway, uh, but great personalities. I, I know it, it had aired uh, probably last year. Anyway, I'm watching it. I'm I'm okay with it. This week... Lila Cohan joins me uh, for a chat. We're going to talk about comedy writing, her awesome Substack. If you don't know, it's a newsletter. It's called Room Snacks. It's really good, especially if you're a writer in the industry. It's worth the 50 bucks. we get into it about the mall. She loves the mall. Uh, Lila's worked on Netflix and she's worked. I'm sorry. Yes, um, she's worked on Netflix. She's worked on Netflix shows, I should say. She's worked on Netflix shows special and Bridgerton. She's awesome, really lovely person. Uh, we're also going to talk about the Ayatsi strike, um, which uh is Huge, and it might lead to more industry um, strikes in the future. You know, we might be hearing Screen Actors Guild or Directors Guild pushing for changes and better treatment. Uh, and a quick word on IATSE. So it's uh, production staff in the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, or IATSE uh, for short, voted to authorize a strike on Monday. Uh, which was yesterday, today is Tuesday, Um, over disputes with uh, studio producers about their schedules, pay, and work conditions. The threat of an actual strike could be leveraged during any future negotiations, which could happen this week as the two sides sit down again for talks. Um, This strike could impact everyone from cinematographers to script coordinators to um, costume designers, editors, makeup artists, even the food workers who feed the cast and crew. A lot of people uh, are, will be affected. Uh, so this, if this strike happens, uh, this could be the first nationwide industry strike. In their uh 128-year history. So this is huge, massive. Um, it, it spans all across the country. Um, this could also affect uh future productions of shows, like shows that you might want to see um, could be delayed. Uh so we'll talk about that with Lila. Uh, but first up, some housekeeping. If you like this show, please rate and review. It's how people can find the show. So let's kick off the show with a sketch um, called, and it's a long one, Couch, Guy, and Adele get stuck in a squid game at an Ikea. That's basically what the story is about. So check it out. Sketch. Thanks for shopping at Ikea with me, Couch Guy. Oh, it's cool, Adele. But you know, Ashley, can you call me Robbie? Um, I'm not just the couch guy, you know, from TikTok. Sure, sure. It's just you've been having a tough week, babes. We could, we could all feel that awkward tension on, uh, in, in that TikTok. <gasps> yeah, I mean, you're welcome for getting you off that berries and cream TikTok. But you know, remember not everything is true crime right right let's not be parasocial creeps like you said right yeah you get it social media sucks i wish it would just die yeah it would be great if it crashed at least for a few hours uh that that way i could announce my comeback more proper uh, uh yeah, that sounds good. Maybe we should get out of this IKEA so you know, you can announce your album on Instagram or or whatever you do. I don't know. I don't, I don't I don't I don't really listen to your music, but whatever. You're you're all right. Bloody hell. Is your Insta working? Yeah, I don't know, dude. Uh TikTok's working for me. I don't use Instagram. That's for like uh millennials and like old people i just updated my my background and everything's turned to shit yo did you break the internet what am i going to do oh i'm legit triggered right now i know this music let's get the fuck out of ikea right now but we're stuck here Couch guy, getting out of an IKEA should be child's play a right doodle but but it's not we're stuck in here we're stuck in an IKEA let's turn here oh for fuck's sake we're back where we started from now my whatsapp won't work facebook too what is going on
0: come with me if you want to live oh shit squid game guy? guy Yes, as the front man, I've been watching you on my many, many screens as I hide out in this Ikea.
1: Really? Are you behind this social media crash?
0: Yes, but since you are a pop icon in this week's TikTok viral star, I will give you the option to leave the competition. I can show you the way out.
1: But if we leave, will my Instagram start working?
0: It's all down, Adele. Facebook. Instagram, WhatsApp, all down. It's part of the competition.
1: Oh, uh, oh! I fucking love Squid Game, dude. But whoa, yeah, that red light, green light episode—I was legit dead. Yeah, so good, ain't it? Just lives rent-free in my mind.
0: Thank you. Do you want to play?
1: Uh, uh. I'm, I'm like not down with competing. I don't want to die. You know, my girl Lauren, she just came out with Couch Guy merch. So, you know, I'm kind of busy right now. Um, a hard pass. Yes, uh, yes. Sorry, babes. I, I have a, I have an album to announce. It's, it's called Easy on Me. I'm gutted, but I'm, I'm gonna have to swerve on that Squid Game too. I, I don't, I don't want to die.
0: Quiet. You're lucky I didn't storm in and execute you. I'll escort you out. You can trust
1: me. Uh sick. Thanks, dude. Oh, really? That wouldn't put you out. I I don't want to be a bother if, if it interferes with your game. Is it really all right? Adele, let that British, like, polite shit go. You don't mean it. We know. We all know. You don't have to play the squid game. He said it's okay. Just shut up. Listen, couch guy, don't get shirty with me. I'm making sure it's all right. I don't want to be a bother. Hey, if we want to get out of here alive, we need to keep calm and not annoy him. He just told us it's all right. Let's go. Let's go get some fresh air.
0: Listen to him, Adele. Social media will be back on in a few hours. Great,
1: great. But but I know it's a lot of stress, to a Squid Game front, man. You've got a lot on right now. As a matter
0: of fact, yes, I do have a lot going on.
1: You've got the world on your shoulders, babes.
0: I do. Thank you. There's the door. Please leave now.
1: Yeah, sure thing. we Will do. Thanks. Thank you. We'll, we'll let you get on with it then.
0: Great. Go. Now.
1: But it, But is it really all right? You could tell me. I'm a pulp icon. I'm pop icon Adele. Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. Fuck.
1: All right. All right.
0: Can you get rid of her? She is annoying me. Let's get out of here.
1: Okay, bye. And that's why social media was out for seven hours. Oh <laughs> Okay, awesome. Let's get into my talk with comedy writer Lila Cohan. Welcome, Hi. Lila. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. Um, So Lila Cohan, I'm going to read your amazing bio real quick. Um, Lila Cohan is a television and feature writer. Most recently, she served as co-executive producer on season two of the Emmy-nominated Netflix comedy special, which is really awesome. I love that show. Um, Previously, she's written for Bridgerton, First Wives Club, Uh, Santa Clarita Diet, Telenovela with um, Ava Longoria, and Awkward on MTV. Um, she's also worked on a really hilarious show called Vag magazine, which I loved. Um, I used to collect fanzines, so oh it had God. that, that spirit or like bitch magazine or, um, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, uh, bust, uh, anyway, so, uh, that show featured, uh, Kate McKinnon. So I urge you to check that out. I think it's on YouTube or even Facebook, I think.
2: It's still, yeah, it's definitely still up on YouTube. I think we still pay for the website. Uh, so so there might be one at badge Um uh, I, I hate not. that.
1: Like when I, when I, cause I never go through my bank account and then I'm like, oh, oh, I pay for this subscription. Like I, like, I don't know if that's the same. It's so dumb. It's my,
2: you know, I co-wrote it with my wonderful friend, Caitlin Guy, uh-huh. And like once a year will come and be like, Hey, should we pay for the website another year? Yeah, sure. Uh. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. As long as like are you don't lose your debit card and like totally. the numbers are still the same, they totally. they just have your money. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so can I ask you? Um, so you know, I want to I want to talk to you about uh, comedy writing. Your awesome Substack called Room Snacks. Writing for new media. Um, but can I first ask you a couple fire like rapid fire questions?
0: Yes. Games. 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 Games.
1: Okay, so what's usually in your pockets? Nothing.
2: Maybe my phone. Nice. Uh, I don't like the feeling of something (laughs) in my pockets.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I might have like a hair tie, but yeah, I I just use my like fanny pack now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes if I go out, you know, I've been lazy lately and not wanting to bring a bag, which I feel like is like a side effect of the pandemic. Uh, And so sometimes now I actually just have like my ID and my credit card in my pocket and I go out like that. Um, I've really pared down to the essentials.
1: (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, Rona. Yeah, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) Um, So what's your current reality show obsession? Oh, great. uh, Great thing. Well, I'm
2: obsessed with this season of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Oh, Um, it is, you know, there we're blessed right now to have two Real Housewives shows where there's a crime and a criminal investigation. center. I love them both. Um, Beverly Hills is, I think, winding down, which makes me devastated because I could watch it forever. Um, but it's truly turning into sort of a chilling portrait of a sociopath. And I love it.
1: Um, America. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Because whether or
2: not she knew that her husband was stealing money from, as Darcell said, widows and orphans, um, <laughs> she knows now and she doesn't seem to care.
1: Like she's like, mm, she's bad. embraced it
2: she's embraced it. It's very chilling. And I love, love, love it. Uh, I'm also loving Salt Lake. Because it's their fault.
1: They're widows and orphans anyway. their fault. <laughs>
2: like, you know, she she doesn't know where the money went. Meanwhile, we've seen, all we've seen on the show is where the money went. Um, it's also, uh, I'm also loving Salt Lake. Uh, I mean, any season where- Another crime show. Right. Where someone might be running a cult is the B story. Uh, it's <laughs> <laughs> incredible. Um, and- Uh, I think I stole that joke from my friend Caitlin also. Uh, and, uh, I also I'm watching Potomac. I love Potomac. I don't think there's a ton happening this season, but I heard it's very spicy along for the ride. It's like a little spicy. I don't know. It's like, I haven't watched this week yet, but it just feels like there's not a ton happening, but Mm -hmm. like, I'm still very much here for it. Uh, nice. Just to hang out with these ladies.
1: um So, do you do any of the like the Netflix reality shows or like Fuckboy Island, F Boy Island? I did a little F Boy Island. Uh-huh. Um,
2: I also go heavy on The Bachelor and all its various iterations. I think it's nice. been probably the greatest season of bachelor in paradise they've ever had (laughs) um i've really truly been enjoying it um so that's sort of my reality tv diet and reality tv i will be honest as a tv writer is like 90 percent of what i watch so (laughs)
1: yeah it's is it uh escapism that's what i'm finding these days uh but then also escapism from just like storytelling i don't know yes
2: i think like I love, you know, there's scripted shows that I love, obviously. Like, I cannot wait for a session to return. Yeah. I really loved uh, I May Destroy You, which I just finished watching because I am a slow person. Um,
1: but you're watching and, all these reality shows. So I'm watching all these
2: reality shows. But, like, it's just, like, a lot of the times when I'm watching scripted, I can see where a story's going. Mm-hmm. And even if I can't, I'm wondering how the room did that, how they, like, like I can see the fingerprints of the room all over it. Ooh. and that makes it a little, it makes, it feels like work a little bit. Yeah. And so, um, reality TV is like, all right, like, let me just be along <laughs> for this ride. Uh, I love it so much.
1: <laughs> so uh, another question is what's one must need item for your apocalypse go bag as we're Ooh. still in the the midst of pandemic, uh, what's in your apocalypse throw bag? Well, let's see. Go bag, me. I
2: mean besides all the real stuff, um, I think I would have to bring my Kindle because I love to read. I'm a nerd. like I. <laughs> like, but I've nice. just been very into reading lately. I think during COVID, I really like turned back into like my like eight-year-old self who always had a book. Yeah. Oh, that's and great. And it became like a very much comfort thing for me. Uh-huh. And so I think that that would be like my self-soothing item in the apocalypse is just like my Kindle. And it- I imagine in the apocalypse, I wouldn't be able to like buy new books, but I always have like 20 things on there. I haven't read yet. So it would take, it would keep me busy for a little while, which would
1: be And you don't need the internet too. It'll be just on there. And
2: then after I ran out of that, I could scavenge for books. Uh, And I think that would be fairly easy to do. Um, And what are you reading? Right now I'm reading No One Is Talking About This by Patricia Lockwood, which is great.
1: Oh, oh, priest Daddy writer. Oh, yes. I haven't
2: read that one yet, but I read... I'm like very into this. It's about Twitter. Uh, and it's so smart and so funny. And she's just, I love her writing so much.
1: Oh, I got to check that out. Yeah. Um, my last rapid fire, uh, what was the last, uh, TV writer's room that you worked in that was in person and what was the best room snack?
2: Oh, great question. It was special. Mm -hmm. Um, and on special, we fought hard with those, um, Trader Joe's pretzel peanut butter nuggets.
1: Nice, those are so good.
2: So good. I like burnt out on them though because I, eat, I <laughs> ate so many in that room, um, but they're so good.
1: I I I love uh like a good uh. I love a good snack um, peanut butter. I can't do too much of like, cause I, I love like, I mean, my favorite all time favorite candies, the Reese's but- peanut butter cup. Of course. Uh, I love peanut butter snacks, but like, I, I tend to like, eh, it's, it starts to like kind of bother me. So I have mm-hmm. to do like almond butter or something else. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah,
2: I can eat way too much peanut butter. It's not, not great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice. Um, so, okay. So we're talking about special. Um, I loved season two. I loved the I first season too. The first season was all Ryan, mm-hmm. um, Ryan's baby. Um, but what's it like to, um, to join a show that is already in process, um, that's somebody else's baby that you have to come in and, and you have to, um, it's like almost like a new mom like and and you're the 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 person coming in to like take care of that person's baby and you're like totally. oh you can trust me so like what's that like
2: um well so this was like a little bit of an unusual situation because Ryan and I have been friends for a million years mm-hmm. you so worked on worked, awkward we did work on awkward together so mm-hmm. an awkward was story boot camp because mtv was so cheap i think season 5 we did 24 episodes in 22 weeks in the writers Wow. Room.
1: Oh my god. So it became like
2: so I know how he works. I know how his brain works. I know what he likes. Mm-hmm. And I saw season 1. I went to the premiere. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um and he kind of immediately was like listen if there's a season 2 I want you to come and be my number 2. Um and I was really excited. I feel like I when I watched it, I had a very strong sense of like first of all, I loved it. Like I cried eight times during season one. Um, but I was like, okay, this is what I think is working. This is where we can like go further and go deeper. And here's how we can do it while staying true to sort of like who Ryan is and Mm -hmm. what he wants to do. And he came in, I mean, he really came into season two with like, this is what I want to do. These are like the stories I want to tell. Um, And then the room sort of like molded that and people's experiences came through and stuff. Uh, But like, he was really a very strong leader, which was great.
1: Oh, that's awesome. I loved all the pop culture references. Um, the, the It was like the Dawson's Creek marathon. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, I loved the, isn't it, why is no one ready?
2: Thank you. That was fine and I kept doing that in the room. And I don't think anyone else enjoyed this bit, but we would do it like every time we got on a conference call and we were like we're putting in the show and they tried to just take out several times uh ah, and we were like word, no devil no devil no was
1: um <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah that's so great
2: they were like we kept getting the note we are like they're like do people really talk about tv this much we're like we think
1: so <laughs> like, oh my god that's all i talk about that's all i it's reference
2: same uh and so there was a lot i think like the a lot of our dynamic got put into there uh in some dialogue and in, in the Ryan and Kim relationship. I think there's some of us. So yeah. it was really just such it was truly my favorite professional experience like just a great room I'm so proud of what we created I wish people had seen it uh more but uh get out there and watch it
1: uh but how do you know unless like uh Ted Sarandos because like recently I and I wanted to ask you about that too you know recently Ted Sarandos came out with like how massively successful Bridgerton was so like how did you know about special season two and like how how well it did or not
2: I don't know for sure um, mm-hmm. you know, there's certainly some world where it was secretly a huge hit. Um, but I think it just didn't seem to be getting the buzz, which is like unfortunately kind of how, your only metric that you can get from uh Now, so like
1: you're not like press.
2: Yes, press, and I think, you know, Netflix renewed and canceled it in the same phone call, uh basically. So, uh um, So there's not going to be a season 3. No, there's not going to be a season oh, shit. I think that's why it didn't get the viewership and it wasn't very highly promoted um because who's going to turn into season two of a show that you know is canceled they announced it as the second and final season so oh yeah so it was a bummer but i am really just so proud of what we created and what i was able to help ryan do um and it's you know his first baby but he'll have a lot more
1: oh for sure you're both hilarious you. um so do you feel like, uh, just um my last question about sp- uh, special is just like, do you feel like you were you were able to create the show that you wanted to? I, I, it, like, is that the beauty of working for like a streaming channels that you were able to make what you wanted to make and you didn't have to um answer to like networks and notes and whatever? No, I mean, you still do. Um, <laughs> it's
2: just coming from a different source. But um, in this case, I do think we. Um, were with producers who trusted us and who, even though we went through a lot of notes and we actually rewrote the whole season kind of midway through. Um, but yeah. I think that they ultimately did trust that there was a vision here. And also that, you know, Ryan, even though the character of Ryan is not literally Ryan O'Connell, they have some like fairly large personality differences. Mm-hmm. Um it is sort of his story as like this gay disabled man. And I think there was also some sense of like, you know what, let's let this man tell his story and not like assume we know how to tell it better than him.
1: Yeah, because uh, ultimately that's the hook.
2: Yeah, that's the hook. And I think like the way the show talks about disability was really cool. Um I think the fact that like we had uh, Buck Andrews, who was actually our writer's assistant, on as Henry, uh, one so, of Ryan's so love cute. interests. Uh-huh. So cute. What a cutie. Um, uh-huh. And just the fact that, like, I had never seen that before, where it was, like, an autistic man playing an autistic man as a love interest, and his neurodiversity was not the problem. Like, it was like, oh, are these two people right for each other in general? is not like, can Ryan date an autistic man? Like, yes. <laughs> like that wasn't the issue. And he was like a totally like viable romantic contender um, for Ryan. Yeah,
1: Because if anything, the other guy was uh, the hot mess. Yeah. And like, yeah. And I think it would just set up like,
2: it was a really fun kind of like romancy. uh It wasn't even fully a love triangle because we never 100% played in that way, but it was just like, this guy who season one we had seen really struggle with his confidence and not yeah. his sexuality in terms of accepting it but like owning himself as a sexual being mm-hmm. season two we really got to see him like just have like men who are into him and see him like dating around a little bit I loved that uh, oh my
1: god the 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 um like the fetishy guy oh that was so cringy it was so yeah funny. that was that was I was really proud of that episode so this was like I don't
2: think we've seen that before and like it uh and I thought Ryan also did like a great job in the performance aspect I thought Jeremy Glazer who played Martha the fetishist was also great and like it was really just like this weird like sort of sexual gray area thing too where it was like okay this is like consensual but like not great right. um and i think that that was like something that we wanted
1: to sort of talk about uh so is that I'm born i'm sorry was that born out of a conversation or was yeah, that um someone
2: you know uh without appointment in spot someone had had a similar experience in the room um mm-hmm. and there you know the room was uh six, seven people nope does that math work seven yes yeah. seven including our writer's assistant script coordinator so five writers and then two, uh, support people. And, um, you know, three of those people were disabled. So that really, like, I think introduced like a lot of topics, the conversation. And I think everyone had had some form of that. So we kind of got to like, dig into it.
1: Wow. Wow. It was so good. I loved it. Um, and, and whatever, um, it's it sucks that it was canceled, but like I I loved it. It was a hit with me. If, uh, <laughs> if anybody wants my That's opinion. So um let's let's talk about room snack. So I first heard about it through Amy Aniobi, who is I mean. one of my mentors. Um she she's a, an incredible person, um, executive producer of Insecure, which is coming soon, um, in their last season. So mm-hmm. um she sent um, her mentees a Slack message about your Substack. And then I immediately subscribed. And um you um you recently dissected um, a, a script that you had, like you, you showed us, um, us, the, the, the subscribers, yeah. us, yeah. <laughs> um, you showed us that, um, like how, you know, the, the seed of an idea and, and then, uh, uh, eventually the outline and then, um, and then the script itself. So, and your outline entry in particular was like really helpful for me because it's something that people don't really talk about is like how to break down a story and, and how to, because that's also part of TV writing is breaking down a story and submitting an outline. Like that's um, like a lot of networks. It seems like they want to read the outline first. Mm -hmm. So um, can you talk to me about the inspiration behind room snacks and which is an awesome um, name for a, a, a newsletter, and then I, I want to talk to you about like titles too, like totally reading titles. Okay, go.
2: Um, so room snaps, and I got to give credit for the name to Allison Bennett, who is actually uh, Allison, Amy, and myself have been a writers group for years. Um oh, great. And so I texted them, I was like, "Help, I need a title." And Allison, a genius, came up with it very quickly. Uh, and she's a brilliant writer too. Uh, co-editing duty. Uh, oh, newspaper. such a cute show on Disney. uh uh-huh. Um, And then, uh, so I just felt like I had a lot of opinions um, and a lot of things I wanted to share. And I didn't necessarily want to be like, quote unquote, writer Twitter, mm-hmm. you know, um, which is sort of like, to me, a very earnest place on the internet to sort of like, lecture people a little bit. And I was like, that's not really for me. Like I want to do something that feels a little longer form that I can really talk about what I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that feels like something where I can go both really big picture and super granular, um, mm-hmm. and kind of get, uh, my opinions out there. Um, cause I think that like, as a, it's definitely you know, geared more towards the like, emerging and early career writer. Um, And I think that at that stage, there's not a ton of um, really practical advice out there.
1: No, there's Um,
2: not. And I think like the books that I used, which I loved, like the TV writer's workbook and crafty TV writing are really dated um and they're not only just from the era of like network tv full stop but they're also like from the era of like the way you broke into the business was getting a freelance script uh and that's not really the case anymore um so i wanted to just do something that felt really contemporary and interesting uh and it's been great like i've loved to be able to do that sort of series where like i went through step by step exactly how I break a pilot, mm-hmm. um, and get really granular about things, and get to like, just kind of get into the weeds a bit.
1: Right. Yeah. It, it's been so helpful. Uh, so, I I get I get that um, you know you wanted something a little bit more personal, so so you chose Substack. But like, why not say a podcast or a, another form of media?
2: Um, well, I'm very lazy. Uh, and <laughs> a podcast would have required learning how to make a podcast, uh, yeah. and substat just required, I was a blogger in a past life. So it right. yeah, felt very too. natural to me. Um, so the barrier for entry was very low and also, you know, it was important to me. Uh, I think I charge a very low amount of money for what you get. Uh, It's $50 for a year. You get 52-ish um uh in a year plus like weekly open threads when I remember um Mm -hmm. I'm really selling myself as a businesswoman here. Um (laughs) uh but I think that like it also is like hey this is worth like making a little investment in this is worth paying something and also like for me it's like my time is not for free, uh, (laughs) except for when it is like, I also do like read a lot of strips uh, and try to be helpful that way. But like for this, I was like, I want to like make a little bit of an investment in it.
1: Right. And, and it is, you're, you're giving people insight into, into the business that they wouldn't normally get. Um, So, so there's definitely an incentive to Buy into yeah. it. I I did. I was like, take my yeah. money.
2: Yeah, it's a pretty. I think it's like a pretty chill use of fifty dollars. All things considered. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I blew fifty dollars on like I I don't know tender greens. Oh my recently. god. Recently,
2: I can't. <laughs> I mean, I when I walk into Target, I might as well just hand them like $182 at the door. Like. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I, 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 I I was in, um, I, I meant to get like, a, I worked on, on set on a, as a PA and mm-hmm. I bought like a bigger fanny pack that I
0: have. Yeah,
1: and, and then I saw like a pair of sneakers for my son and I was like, Oh, I'll just get that. So, so yeah, I ended up like blowing money that I, I didn't mean to. Oh.
2: And when you have a kid, especially like how old is your son? He's eight. Oh, cute. Mine is four. So oh, every nice. time I go in, I'm like in that dollar aisle. I'm like finding little toys and I'm like, oh, look, this shirt's so cute. I have to buy it for him. It's bad. I can't. Oh. Anyways, this is funding my target <laughs> habit.
1: <laughs> I love four-year-olds. Four-year-olds are the best.
2: Oh, they're so cute.
1: But what, so... what's it like um, in the pandemic? I mean, uh, as a for an eight-year-old, he's um, pretty savvy with hand-washing and masks um what's it like for a really little one I mean it's been sort of
2: crazy um at the beginning you know I was so paranoid that like he really didn't leave the house for like a couple months like and we were lucky we had a big backyard Mm -hmm. so we would go in and out of the backyard and then like occasionally on a little walk wearing our masks um yeah and now like he knows it's funny he goes to school now he knows he wears his mask all day at school and everyone wears their masks and yeah. like i've seen him at the playground like pull his mask up back oh
1: nice um
2: he that's- knows he has to wash his hands he's like really interested in it right now so he'll like tell me he'll repeat back my explanations he's like we have to wash our hands because
1: they have bacteria and germs and oh, to so keep cute. our brain and body strong oh wow <laughs> he needs to like tutor Marjorie Taylor Green or god I know I'm like other if assholes.
2: I, I was like if my 4 year old can figure this out and like truly he's like cuz he doesn't know any better he's yeah. forgotten the the before so he's like yeah we wear masks when we go out no problem um yeah and they're not they're not bothered by it not bothered um, by it. I told him the other day cuz I like we were getting his flu shot and uh-huh. he was like didn't want to, and then was like, "Well, no more shots after this." And I was, like, uh, I was like, "Hopefully, you'll get your COVID shot soon." And he was really mad, and I was like, "Well, won't it be nice, like when you have your COVID shots, we might not have to wear masks anymore?" And he was like, "Eh,
1: why?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's still uh, a needle going in my arm.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, so um, this is amazing. You were um, you had mentioned blogging. You were a food writer before you jumped into TV writing in I New was. York actually. Um mm-hmm. I'm I'm from New York too originally. Nice. Um so what brought you to LA? What keeps you here? Um
2: so I my first TV writing job was actually in New York on a show that was canceled before it aired called The uh. Caller. Um but after I got that job I was like, you know, I'm not going to find another job in New York. Uh I got to move out to LA and so I sold a pilot to what was at the time ABC Family, which dates mm-hmm. me. Um, and uh now free form. Now free form, yes. And so that sort of helped me come out here. Um mm-hmm. and then I got staffed on Awkward probably like six months after I'd moved out here, oh, maybe wow. a little less. um and I've been lucky enough to more or less uh be working in some capacity since. Um and uh so that's really what keeps me out here. Um, I'm an East coaster at heart. And if I thought like I could sustainably live back on the East coast and still have my career, I would, but now I've sort of committed to California. Um, and I moved, uh, in a real pandemic impulse move. I moved to Long Beach. Uh,
1: Oh wow. I love Long Beach. I love it. I
2: love it so much. I know it's super cute. uh Uh, and I think like this actually feels kind of better for me like it's not like I don't know there's just there's a lot about LA that frustrates me and like Long Beach feels very like sort of community oriented and like not as industry-ish uh, Yeah. and I like being near the water um so and uh also not to Brad but I got a pandemic divorce oh uh, congratulations <laughs> thank you <laughs>
1: uh, zoom, my, zoom divorce
2: court oh my god yes uh, uh, but my I'm ass, sorry it's oh no it's great um yeah. but my ass lives three blocks away from me uh-huh. so that's also like we have made our little family split home in Long Beach for the time being at least.
1: Yeah. And like your son has two houses. Oh my goodness. He does
2: Oh, he loves it. He's like, and his dad lives in an apartment. I live in a house. So this is also like, he's like really like best of both worlds. He's like, a yeah, he's like, and today we will go from the house to the apartment. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> uh, it's very cute. He's like, very so elegant elegant. two houses
1: um (laughs) oh my goodness um yeah I love Long Beach um my son did a uh aquarium camp Uh, Oh cute! Yeah, so there was uh, like a full week where I was basically like, because it's like three hours, so you're basically like living in Long Beach while your kid goes to summer camp. Um, So we explored all over, like all these different neighborhoods. Um, Downtown, super cool. Um, There was like a really great juice place, and I can't remember. I want to say it was on like third or fourth street. Salud on fourth. Possibly. This has like a big window.
2: Yep, yep, yep. That's the yeah, yeah. That's my neighborhood. It's the best, honestly. Like, I initially I was like, well, I'll just ride out the pandemic here and then I'll come back because Mm -hmm. like the commute's gonna be too long.
1: But honestly, it's not that bad.
2: And like anywhere I could afford to live in LA,
1: yeah,
2: also going to be bad. You know, like I think about when I was on special we were weirdly in like a co-working space on sunset um but it took me i was living in north hollywood like the near part of north hollywood Mm -hmm. and it took me 45 minutes to an hour to get home every day and so i'm like no traffic Uh yeah but i feel like it's only gonna take like an hour hour and a half to get back to long beach and i like it more here so i'm like you know, this might just be where I live now. Um, also, you can still buy a house here for under a million dollars. So nice.
1: That's <laughs> that a consideration that helps. too. Um. That helps. Um, another fangirl, uh, Long Beach thing is that we discovered uh, Second in PCH. It was like a huge yes. mall. And they have roller skating. I know, they just got the... Um, the empty spaces the roller skate store took over now it's a ring yeah that's awesome yeah and it's right by ample hills brooklyn mm-hmm. brooklyn it ice is. cream It is. I love
2: Second and PCH. It is the Grove of Long Beach. Yes. I love the Grove, too.
1: Um. But it feels more like a destination because, yeah, like the Grove or like we live near Playa Vista where they Mm -hmm. have like a big mall. But it's like there's a it it just feels like they're like, oh, you're going to go somewhere else anyway. So like they don't really like put all the effort involved in making like a huge like destination location. I don't know if that makes any sense. But no, like totally. second PCH, like you could spend a day there you just spend and day go to the market.
2: A great Whole Foods. <laughs> um, it's got uh, a decent nail salon in there. Um, I nice. do wish, this is just like, hi, welcome to Long Beach chat. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I do really wish there was like a Nordstrom or a Bloomingdale's or something in there. Like, that's the one thing that Long Beach doesn't have. But the other thing about Long Beach, I'm just now selling your listeners on Long Beach. Yeah. Uh, But the other thing about Long Beach is that like Orange County scares me a little bit, but everything you need is there and it's so close. So like, you can also be at like the South Coast Plaza, which is an incredible shopping experience. Uh, Okay, because I
1: I grew up in New Jersey, so I I was basically born in a mall. So I I love mall talk.
2: I love mall talk. And now they have at South Coast Plaza, not only do they have a Din Tai fun, they have a competitor uh, called like, Dawn? No, it's like Imperial Dumplings. There's like, I don't know. It's Ooh. like some other crazy delicious dim sum spot. Yeah. And we love, love soup mom. dumplings. Wow. I mean. <laughs> I mean, also in Orange County, like the like seaside Republican parts of Orange County get sort of most of the attention.
1: Yes, and, and Clemente
2: and Yes. And they're scary but beautiful. Right. Um, but also, like, if you don't like Garden Grove, it's like the best Vietnamese food in L.A. Like it's mm-hmm. like it is like kind of a cool, diverse area. Uh, and I'm very glad Long Beach is technically in Los Angeles County and not in uh, Orange County. But it is like kind
1: of convenient to also have it there. Uh, yeah, you can you can dip your toe, go to Nordstrom's and then like exactly. go back to L.A.
2: Exactly. Hustle back to your little blue enclave.
1: Yes.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> oh cool um so yeah so definitely check out long beach if you're in los angeles i know Um, i
2: feel like it's so funny because i am such a booster of it and i kind of want people to move here but also like there was an article in uh san francisco paper weirdly the other day about how great long beach is and i sent it to my ass and he was like don't show this to people like we don't want them to (laughs) come here and drive up prices Like. uh it's and it's true you're like it's my little secret
1: <laughs> yeah it's kind of like um when I was a kid there would be like a band that I liked and and then they got popular and mm-hmm. it was like played during the day on MTV or something totally. and I was like oh now they suck I don't All like over. them Losers. yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> but uh but yeah okay so we'll we'll keep Long Beach special keep it weird yeah. Um keep it cheaper than uh than other places. We have we have friends in Long Beach too and they they never leave. I guess it's almost like a Brooklyn or like a Staten Island. Totally. Uh equivalent. Yeah, it is.
2: You get very I mean my social life is still very much in LA and like I as a pandemic divorcee have started dating and I will say the pickings are slim in Long Beach, so <laughs> I have been doing more dating in LA, but
1: you know. Uh
2: I still love Long Beach.
1: Nice, nice. Or you can meet You can meet halfway somehow. Yeah. Mm, you can't.
2: I mean, you can't. Halfway is not the move. Um, so, <laughs> halfway what is-, is like
1: Carson,
2: mm-hmm. maybe? I'm not clear. Uh, yeah. oh,
1: they, and they have a mall.
2: They have an Ikea where I went yesterday. Okay, nice. sorry. <laughs> we will talk more about it, <laughs> right? You can edit all this out. But I will say the Carson Ikea is the truth, it's always Wait. empty. Yeah. Uh, and it's great. We That's the one it. we go
1: to by the, what's it called? Del Rio Mall or Del mm-hmm. Del Amo.
2: Yeah. Good target there, too. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. And, and, uh, yeah, Panda Express. My husband's really into Panda Express. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I fuck with the, the Carson Ikea, oh, too. Yeah. yeah that's a great idea. Yeah. Cause um, it's either think- that or Ontario. And Ontario is just like,
2: that's oh, I've never been that one. It's yeah. um, it's just like a lot less crowded than the Burbank one. If that's your usual destination, mm-hmm. uh, like I was, I went yesterday to get some shelves and some food containers, and <laughs> this is the worst podcast interview of all time. And I find I, it
1: fascinating.
2: And I was from walking out of my house to walking back into my house, and with a full IKEA trip in the middle. And I don't live that near Carson. It was an hour and a half.
1: Oh, so from and and ikea is a maze like ikea it, is it's so maze. hard to get out of there like once you're mm-hmm. in you're you're, in. you're stuck for a good while because also like you know the the way it's it's structured like you get lost in there you don't know how to get out and then you start you start seeing like, i don't know stuffy stuff animals mm-hmm. or like furniture that you never thought or like you it's hang out bad. in there do you do you remember there was um there was like a jokey tv show in an ikea yeah um Randall um from uh, from Fresh Off the Boat.
2: Yes. Oh my God. I heard hilarious. About that. Um are also, I'm surprised there hasn't been, as you're saying this in late, someone should do a horror movie in IKEA. Oh my uh, god, yeah, because where do you run? Where do you run? Where do you hide? run? You just have to
1: hide in one of the little houses. It's uh, literally the sunken place. Yeah, one hundred percent. Because uh, yeah, I don't know who. Yeah, and then there, there's that that one IKEA expert that just knows the ins and outs, mm-hmm. and like, come with me if you want to live. Totally, <laughs> we can sell this. <laughs> This is the seed. This is your next, um, you know, Substack entry. I've, I've, I've already <laughs> really broken the 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 next uh, the next season of broom snacks. We did it. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you about titles earlier uh, because, like, yeah, the, I, I know a friend gave you that idea, but like, it it also like um, the script that you um, use an example. Rush, like, that's a great title. Are you good at writing titles? No, I'm very bad at it. Um, that is.
2: <laughs> So Rush is a real example of my title sweet spot, which is one word titles. Um, Uh And I like try to figure out one that like feels like it works. Like that was sorority rush. Uh, So it was like that kind of rush, but also the, you know, rush of living rush. I don't know, guys, that was the best I could do. Um, I had a pilot uh, that I sold that was... About a woman whose husband dies while they're in the middle of a rough patch, just called widow.
1: Um, right, <laughs> uh, and that, that's featured in um dead dead pilots yeah. society, which was a blast. Uh-huh. Uh, and then like, I have another
2: pilot that uh, has been retitled, but was about a mom group, and my title for it was just Mama. Um, so yeah, it's like- yeah. <laughs> This is, I think if you look at my like IMDb credits, especially when they've let me name my own episodes, which isn't that often, you'll see a lot of one word titles because so I'm just like, I don't know. Uh, I love people who are like good at them. But
1: yeah, because I mean, it, it has to have even like special, like it, it has to mm-hmm. have uh, a hook. So um, totally. yeah, a title can can make or break a project sometimes.
2: It can. And it's just a very hard uh, nut to crack.
1: Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I, I definitely struggle with that too. Do you have a, a trick to that or it's still, no, it's still a challenge. No, I just sit and
2: stare into space until I can figure something out. Um, and then like, but like, usually when I start working on everything, everything's called like untitled art world project or like, <laughs> you know untitled (laughs) untitled movie star romance like (laughs)
1: like, that's not gonna get a butt in a chair
2: no (laughs) so and then eventually like i'll figure it out and (gasps) and then i'll write it down
1: and i'll come to you um so okay so with um the idea of room snacks is to help sort of like the like the early writer um you know was there someone that welcomed you into the industry or in, in LA? Cause it seems like you quickly booked jobs. Mm-hmm. So was there somebody that like helped you in, in building yeah. a network? I mean, I
2: think to some extent, I think like our friend, Amy Aniobe is mm-hmm. like one of the world's great connectors. Oh um, yeah, She used to have every year when network staffing was more of a thing, a staffing season party mm-hmm. where you could go. And it wound up actually being like a ton of writers, like Around my level. So I feel like I met cool people through that. Um, Networking also, across. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I think also, um, you know, I think I came into the industry knowing not a ton about like TV writing per se, but I had come up through the Upright Citizens Brigade uh, yeah. in New York. And so what I did learn there was like how to be in a room, how to take notes. Like I was on a bunch of the sketch teams there, and that was something how to rewrite. Those were things that like were really drilled into us there. And I think that I did come in with like, a little bit of an advantage as a staff writer, just because I already knew how to do those things and how to like not take notes personally and all that sort of thing. Um, I think uh a lot of people have sort of like mentored and taught me a lot. I've learned a lot from like everyone I've worked with, honestly. Sometimes it's, don't do this, but yeah. I do think I learn a lot. Um, you know, Stephen Fault gave me my first job on Ness oh, wow. Caller, Um, and he also, when I moved to LA, he was running a writer's group for a couple of years that I did, so I also met like a lot of people through that, and also just learned a lot of like really basic TV nuts and bolts uh, through him, both in the room and sort of through that writer's group.
1: Yeah, because uh, I, I know that um, that was something that you mentioned in Room Hints. Uh, I want to see Room Hints because that was a, a website that I worked on, Room Snacks. Um, <laughs> something that you mentioned is like uh, film school, like it, that's kind of a waste of money.
2: That's my, that is my feeling. Um, yes. I think it's a little bit of a scam unless, and this is sort of what I say in Room Snacks, unless you're rich. Um, if you're rich and you truly have the money to do it and it's like not going to be a financial hardship absolutely go for it. Like I do think you make some connections. I do think that you I think deadlines are one of the most important things for a writer and it gives you deadlines. Yeah. But I do not think it is worth, you know, what does it cost now 40 50,000 a year? It's crazy. Uh, and if you're going into debt with that, especially considering you're likely to start out kind of at the assistant level, where you're making truly shameful wages like it's not worth the financial stress um and i just don't think it's the right choice for a lot of people and i will say i asked a lot of people about whether they thought film school was worth it who had gone and the people who said yes are generally people who were able to pay for it out of pocket oh Um, so you proved (laughs) your point yeah, uh, I just think That's the thing, I think like, the intentions are good But like, unless you can get A full ride or it's like No sweat mm, I don't yeah, really think it's it, like, worth, it, worth it
1: Yeah, it might not be worth it uh, Especially like, you know $40,000 for Film school, $50 for Room snacks I mean, listen, <laughs> Uh That was cool. my That was my uh, decision That, that I, I was it. like, I'll, I'll do the $50 <laughs>
2: also I think like 40,000 even if you have $40,000 or $10,000 $40,000 for film school I do think you might make a better investment on spending 10,000 making a short that you wrote you know um I just think I don't know I think practical life experience is usually a better teacher yes and my my inexpensive newsletter (laughs) the school the
1: school of hard knocks yeah 100 percent So, um, so yeah, what you touched on was, uh, was like rich people. So I want to talk to you about what the controversies that are happening right now in the film and television industry. Mm -hmm. Um, so yesterday, um, it's, uh, was it September 27th, uh, yesterday, um, CAA announced plans to buy ICM, um, major power play that's pissing people off. Um, there's, a IOTC strike looming, um, for those that don't know workers in the below the line entertainment unions, um, like say craft services. So that's like the people who feed, uh, the cast and crew, um, that's just one of the groups, um, are rightfully demanding better working conditions, uh, and they're gearing up to vote to authorize a strike the weekend of October 1st. So as this vote looms, some OTSI members, um, for instance, they've already like started to cancel their streaming subscriptions in hopes of sending a message that would hit the studios in the pocketbook. It's a super heated time. Um, I feel like the through line is that there's no uh, trickle down economics happening and the rich just keep getting richer. Uh, How are you feeling about all this recent news? Um, how does the possible strike also this, this merger um, that will probably happen? How does, how does this all affect you as a TV writer and producer? Totally.
2: Um, Well, I think, you know, in terms of the merger, it's interesting, Um, but I'm at UTA. So like directly, it doesn't affect me. I was at ICM for a while and I'm interested to see how it shakes out. I do think like happens every time something like this goes down it's it might be bad for some lower level clients or people who haven't worked in a while i think some people will get dropped um yeah because i don't also know if ca is keeping every agent from icm like oh it's all sort of unclear and no one really knows like if you read deadline all the articles are extremely speculative um like this is what could happen uh so i think that's a little I'm interested, to sort of, watch the fallout from that.
1: Um, but then these agents that are are going to be, I guess, thrown off the ship, so to speak, or yeah. or, or they have to they have to leave. Um, maybe they're going to splinter off and start their own groups, which is how, yeah. like, I don't know, ICM and CAA started. Yeah, that's how place. they were born. It's yeah. sort of
2: like the life cycle of the Hollywood agency. Um. So, but with in terms of like the IATSE stuff, you know, I think what's happening in the conditions that crew are being asked to work in are absolutely shameful. Um, I think they're unacceptable. Uh, and I think that they should strike honestly, if they're not going to get their demands met. Um, yeah. And you know, there is some level of it that is on the, the showrunner level producers, uh, and also non-writing producers. Like it's, I think that like, it's not our fault, Like it's the studio's fault to be clear. Mm-hmm. But like, I think also like you need to be running like a little bit of a tighter set or making sure like saying like setting a clear boundaries, like I don't want people to be working 19 hour days, which is like one thing I've heard about happening. Um, uh. And I think it's also like really, really, really bad right now because everyone's assuming a strike is going happens. They're trying to like finish their projects while they can.
1: Oh, so they're working those 19 hours anyway. Yeah. To to finish their
2: projects. mm -hmm, They're trying to like get everything in the can before the strike because who knows how long this is going on for. And I think, um, you know, things have been getting steadily worse and COVID really pushed it to a boiling point where people are, you know, risking their health and risking their lives to be doing this job and they're not being treated with basic human respect. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like the studio need to pay up. They have the money. Um, and I also think that like, you know, showrunners like obviously like shit gets hairy, you know, you're getting last-minute nodes, you're trying to figure everything out, but like whatever you can do also to like bring scripts in on time and not change things last minute does help. Um and does like help everyone not work insane hours as much.
1: Because that happens a lot like in comedy too, especially Mm -hmm. like um, you know, you have punch up, you have uh budget changes. I don't know, things things happen last minute. Yeah.
2: And like, you know, obviously to some extent that's all part of the job, but like also people should be getting paid a reasonable wage for that job. Um so and you know writers make a much better baseline pay than crew. Um, Mm -hmm. But we are also still being kind of fucked over by a lot of this uh, and a lot of these like new media rules. And so it's creating like this weird sort of like tiered system of class um, Mm -hmm. in Hollywood, but like no one except the studios is doing well and maybe some actors. Uh, (laughs) So it's just kind of a mess. So I hope IOTC, Strikes if they need to they definitely should authorize it um and i think you're gonna see a lot of these issues also play out in 2022 when sad wg or 23 i'm sorry Ooh. when sad wga and dga renegotiate their contracts
1: oh so the actors and directors um uh, because writers. yeah uh you know recently it's been writers that that have um Uh, voice their opinions, especially like with the, there was the conflict with the agents. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, now you have uh, crew members that, that are um, possibly striking. Um, So it's, it's, you know, it's just the haves and the have nots and just the not sharing the wealth. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, that's really unfortunate what's happening.
2: Yeah. And I think also, you know, new media, quote unquote, uh, which is all the streaming services technically qualify under have been allowed to work at separate rates. Um, and that needs to end because it's not an experiment anymore. It's the yeah. way the platform is. I haven't worked for a non streaming show since 2015. Um, wow. And, you know, I have a couple things in development right now. And I was thinking about where we would take them and I could only think the only like physical TV outlets I could think of were HBO and Showtime and stars. Um, Yeah. And even those are like, HBO is HBO Max, you know, like it's, uh, so it's rapidly changing and new media has been allowed to pay people less and that cannot continue because that's the whole of the industry at this point, almost.
1: Right. Because I'm not necessarily watching a show on say like ABC or CBS. I, I myself, I, I personally am watching HBO max, Netflix, Mm -hmm. Hulu. Uh, so these are, these are, um, and they're own, like Hulu's owned by Disney. Yeah. Um, so, and that, and I, I, we watch Disney Plus. So, so yeah, it's, it's become the norm. Um, funny enough, uh, John August recently, like joke predicted that Peloton Bikes is going to probably be, that. yeah, they're going to be producing shows for subscribers, which you never know.
2: I believe it, honestly. Um, But it's also, what's interesting is that like a few years ago, that was sort of more of the joke of like, oh, well, like Walmart's got a streaming service now, like it, but now all those streaming services are consolidating rapidly. Mm -hmm. So they're becoming even bigger and more powerful. And, you know, they're kind of making these hard rules that like they'll cap pay at a certain amount. Um, And because they're one of the only games in town, they're getting away with it. So it's really problematic. And I tweeted yesterday about residuals. Um, yes. Which, so I wrote for Bridgerton. Mm-hmm. Um, and
1: massive, massive show.
2: Massive, massive show, which was great. Like, honestly, very proud of that as a writer, very grateful, opened a lot of doors for me, et cetera. Mm-hmm. That being said, <laughs> um, yesterday they came out, Ted Sarandos was like, oh, you know, Bridgerton, like, went into just how astronomical the numbers were and that also like viewers finished the series overwhelmingly which is great yeah um but when I read that I got really angry and I was like you know you're kind because as streaming residuals we get very very small residuals for streaming
1: and so residuals um um, for those that don't know so like um if you're doing a commercial, let's say, like a TV commercial for like ABC, you get what's called residuals, meaning that like you get you get a, a paycheck, like this is for actors, you get a paycheck, but then like every time that commercial airs, you get um, some money, or even yeah. like a movie, you, you um, an actor might get a small amount of money each time a movie plays, like say on TV or something. Yep. Okay, so go on, Resi- yes. residuals.
2: So um, the model, and I don't fully, fully understand it, but the model is basically that you get paid kind of once for a residual on uh, streaming or you get paid like some very very small chats and it's not commensurate with how many viewers it's getting or anything like that Um, and residuals like I understand that like if you're not in the industry this might be like oh you just want like your free money and it's Like one, yes, Uh, I love my free money, but also- (laughs) But you worked hard for that. I worked hard for it. The studio continues to profit off it. The network continues to profit off it. Um, I deserve to be compensated for my role in that. And also the way this industry has traditionally been structured for writers is that, you know, you don't always work. Um, Sometimes what you do is not like, what's wanted uh it's yeah. a very ageist industry and you t- age out pretty early um residuals the general financial design of this industry is that residuals are what take care of you in your low periods and for writers coming up in my generation that's not happening um
1: yeah especially like for for network tv again saying um like abc cbs a tv show roughly has like maybe like 22 23 episodes if you're on a streamer it's like 10 episodes 12 maybe if you're lucky eight episodes yeah
2: and even I will say like on network if you wrote for a show that's like a network show that's not syndicated you're still not getting much because they don't rerun a ton anymore but if you are on modern family or something or big bang or whatever and it's syndicated that's when you start getting the big bus which is like great but like what is the rate of how much people are watching that versus how much of people are watching Bridgerton, you know? Um, just to use one example, or even like, you also should get better residuals, by the way, on shows that aren't huge hits, you know? <laughs> like Yeah. Um, but it's just like, it seems crazy to me, the idea that I have written for this huge, huge, huge show and am not seeing any financial compensation for doing
1: uh, so. yeah. So, because uh, yes, that, it was Reggae Jean Page's butt on screen, but somebody okay. wrote that scene. Someone wrote that, that allowed him to show off his butt.
2: I mean, listen, my contribution to the culture was that um in 2020 was that we were talking about uh, episode four and I screamed, the dude eats ice cream and it's sassy. Um ah! <laughs> uh, so give me my money for that. Sexy yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that's like, and you know, again, in some ways it's a champagne problem because writers are better compensated than IOTC, for example, but our wages also are falling. Um, yeah. And, you know, I've been asked to take pay cuts I've been asked to like do things that were not in my initial contract because they're like well this is what everyone's doing now right it's like no and also like you know this is not only the entertainment industry's problem but I'm a successful upper level tv writer and I cannot afford to buy a house in Los Angeles like
1: yeah there has to just be
2: a way to lift everyone's boats a little bit
1: Right. Um and then also um to, to add that um wages are are um have have decreased, um, but you're still like if you are a successful writer, you probably have a manager, you probably have an agent, you probably have a publicist, those people have to get paid. So uh percentages of those percentages still remain the same. Yeah. So as I mean, your wages go down.
2: Yeah, I mean, I give of my paycheck to my reps. Um, so it all eats away pretty quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you also, it's also, you know, at this point because of the short orders, it's also, you know, maybe you're getting paid like X amount a week, but you're only working 25 weeks a year. Um, So it really needs to like kind of stretch. So it's just, I think there's going to be some huge sea changes coming in the next few years, but I think it's going to be like an ugly, messy process.
1: Right. Because Netflix still wants to keep Netflixing with the churn of like new content so if they want to keep Netflixing, they're going to need um, these crew members. They're going to need these writers. Peloton, if Peloton has a TV right. channel, they're going to need writers and crew members mm-hmm. and all of that. So they, they need to pay what's, um, they need they, you know, it needs to be commensurate with um, yeah. their demand. They need to pay up, basically.
2: Yep, exactly. That's the whole thing.
1: Yeah. Um, it's like, uh, like Goodfellas, um, fuck you, pay me.
2: Exactly. Uh, I recommend that for everyone's strike t-shirts.
1: <laughs> yes. Fuck you, pay me. Yeah, that's right. Um, so how can writers, how, what do you think? Like, how can writers protect themselves in this ever expanding landscape? I think it's going to come down to
2: our negotiations next year. I think a lot of things are going, are not next year, 2023, but I think a lot of things are going to come to a boiling point. I think Mm -hmm. that the streaming residual situation is coming. I think um, mini rooms, which is when they uh, don't pick up a show, but they're like, maybe we'll write the first season of it and you get paid stale unless it goes. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's going to come to a head. Um, I think it's, I am personally, I don't want to be like full chicken little, but I am personally doing my financial planning, assuming there will be a strike in 2023. Wow. Um, So again, am I involved in the WGA board? Absolutely not. Um, But that is like just my gut in terms of seeing how upset people are. And um, what I think, you know, we didn't, the negotiation was weird in 2020, obviously, because COVID happened in the middle of it. So everyone just kind of made a deal because everyone panicked. Yeah. Um, But I think... We have to take a stand in 2023 unless you know there's another pandemic.
1: Yeah, because you know if you if you want the content, you you got pay for it. you gotta pay for it. I wanted to know like what life is like in between jobs because like um like you know you're you're saying you're talking about like doing like financial planning for for 2023. Um, what's it like in in between jobs? like what what's a day in the life when you're not working on a show?
2: Um, so for me, I do a lot of development in between jobs. So uh, for me personally, my day in the life is waking up. If I have my son that day, getting him off to school, if not having my own nice little morning routine. And then I write for usually like two to three hours mm-hmm. in the morning. And I find if that, if I do focused work for two to three hours, that is a very good productive amount of work
1: oh my god yeah two hours door shut not moving yes, that's incredible right off your phone
2: like that you will get what you need done um and then in the afternoon i take a nap and or run errands and then eventually if i have them get my little dude from school um but uh so that's kind of my days i'm just like kind of focused on development i'm taking meetings uh so like i had two generals yesterday i have a development meeting tomorrow um and then So I also am doing that, but I'm kind of trying to like think about what my next ideas are.
1: And these are all from the comforts of your home because it's still pandemic time. Yes. And I have, I'm
2: lucky I have a nice office. So, uh, and my house is pretty comfortable. So
1: cool. Who's putting out work that's exciting you, inspiring you. Ooh. Um, I,
2: I went to the Emmys, uh, last weekend. Um, and I the only thing that was like truly, truly thrilling to me was like, I like sprang to my feet when Michaela told won. Oh, it was um, great. I think she's just like such an exciting creative mind. Um, I love her, uh, who else is putting out work that's exciting me andy cohen at bravo um uh, <laughs>
1: keep it keep andy safe everyone keep andy
2: safe and healthy
1: <laughs> um what else am i were you there when rita wilson rapped i sure was yeah
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I was there
1: what uh, were you thinking wow rita wilson's rapping <laughs> <laughs> i saw her rap on the mass singer um, so I knew that she had it in her. Um, oh, I, I wasn't expecting uh, the the trio with little Dickie.
2: And yeah, I did. I will say what was fun about it was that like, there's sort of this weird theater in the round setup. So like, as like Cedric, the entertainer was on the stage, like talking, I could see LL Cool J across the room. And he was like getting into it, like getting oh. himself hype. And I was like, this is awesome. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, but it was, it was very funny.
1: Oh my goodness. Um, what's making you happy these days other than seeing LL Cool J in a corner, um, shoulder, happy. shoulder dancing.
2: You know, what's making me really happy these days? Um, two things.
1: One, a
2: website called Shop We and we has like three or more E's, I'm not sure, uh, .com, but it is an international grocery site. They have a ton of Asian groceries and I've just ordered so many good snacks. Uh, I've been nice. very, in, very into like you know various mochi. Uh love mochi got some like pineapple buns, got a bunch of like steamed buns, got these uh <laughs> salted egg cookies that I like a lot. wow. Um,
1: so it's very like savory bun. cookie. Mm-hmm, it's Ooh.
2: um got a lotus seed bun I'm really into. Uh and then the other thing is I'm getting really into gardening and I ordered a bunch of seeds the other night and I'm and I ordered a bunch of bulbs for my spring flowers to come up so oh catch wow me in a full Nancy Myers movie oh my god May. uh
1: <laughs> you're Meryl you're Meryl you're living your your doing my best you. to be Meryl. yes okay thank you so much how can people thank find you. you what how can people find you online oh um
2: they can find me uh so Twitter and Instagram I'm at Lila Cohan that's L E I L A C O H A N. Um, and on uh, room snaps is room snaps.substat.com. Uh, so head on over there, subscribe. They will offer you a free option. You literally don't get anything. So please sign up for the paid version. <laughs> if you sign up. Sometimes on the free option, you'll get an email from me being like, yo, nothing's here. Um,
1: and uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. Uh, This is wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. So this is great. We'll see you next week. I'm Yummy Coco. Keep your lamplight trimmed and burning. Bye.